Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of Potstilled Live. Potstilled Live is your fortnightly live stream that brings you all of the latest news and crack of the Irish whiskey industry. Each episode is filmed before a different live audiences, so interactions do vary from episode to episode. And each week I am joined by a different industry professional to give their thoughts on that week's news. Do be warned, recording qualities do vary from guest to guest. So grab a hash gone, sit back and relax and listen to this week's episode of Potstilled Live. And good evening, good evening, good evening. How are you, Dave? And welcome to everyone who is watching at home. Welcome to another episode of Potstilled Live. Mr. Dave Cummins, how are you doing? Not too bad, and yourself? Not too bad at all. Um, it is a well, it was kind of a crappy day today, but it's turned out quite nice this evening. Um, yeah, so I'm, days. exactly. I'm looking forward to talking a little bit about Irish whiskey and uh, enjoying a few Tashcons along the way. Me too, should be a good one, absolutely. Um, for everyone who's watching at home, thank you so much for joining in for another episode of Pot Still Live, a fort- fortnightly guide to, I suppose, everything that's going on at least. What Dave and I think is important is going on in the Irish whiskey industry in the, at the moment. Um, Dave, to I suppose everyone out there that doesn't know you, do you want to give them a quick rundown of who you are and what you do in the Irish whiskey industry? Um, I am the Irish brand ambassador for Dingle Distillery and Porterhouse Brewing Company. So I run around the country like a madman doing all things Dingle and Porterhouse, pretty much. <laughs> exactly. Uh, except for tonight. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> when we're when we're here with a with a more more general Irish whiskey twist, uh, so I'll be uh, digging into your knowledge of the industry as well as we go along. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for your time. Um, so I suppose we have a few people uh, coming through. <laughs> Mark Roster coming and say majestic beard. I hope he means me. Don't mind your beard. Now. I think I think this lovely bit of fluff is is coming along nicely. Um, if you do guys have any questions as we go on through the show, make sure to fire them into the comments section, either if you're watching on Periscope or on Facebook Live. Uh, as always, all questions, comments, and a bit of slagging is appreciated. Um, oh. I suppose it, <laughs> it's been a, a busy couple of weeks in, in Irish whiskey. I know you've been uh, you've been driving yourself around the country a lot, uh, and uh, it's interesting times. Um but we have uh, probably a good idea to kick off with um, our sponsor for the evening, uh, which is the Sleeve League Distillers. Now, this I don't know if you have the bottle handy yeah. there. might be behind your head a little bit. We're going to kick off a little, uh, the legendary Silky Irish Whiskey right here. Um, I actually, they sent me a beautiful branded T-shirt you can see here. I nearly fell off my chair. Um, I do appreciate a good branded T-shirt, but this actually is a fantastic quality T-shirt, so I appreciate it which uh, probably bodes well for whiskey in the bottle, all right. Um, one, I know we were talking a little bit beforehand, uh, Dave, there's one that you've yeah. uh, you've had before. Yeah. Um, you, I, I think you were one of the, the early doors adopters of this one as well. Um, yeah, it was back in the day when I was in Celtic Whiskey Shop and I saw it pop up and got in contact with Paul, who used to work for MCM back then, and um, was just chatting with Ali and I said, oh, meet going to meet Paul and see about getting the Silky in because I heard such great things about it and I just wanted to get it in Donegal you know prospect of the first distillery back up there which was great you know 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think we we're saying off camera that you were actually the first person to give me a drop of this in, in Celtic, I think. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to come full circle on it anyway. Um, yeah. I don't know if you had a chance to have a sip of it in this lovely yeah. uh, silky branded glass. I've actually got the dark silky in the silky glass and then I've got the the regular in the... Yeah, I, I was, as I was saying to you earlier on, like I cracked it open last night with a few of the housemates and... Um, Straight away, I was just like green apples on the nose and, yeah. and palate. And then I was like just looking at the bottle on the back, and the first thing it says is apples. And I was like, <laughs> straight away, it was the first thing you know you got. I don't know what did you think yourself. I I think on the nose you're getting a lot of that green apple, but on the palate, it's it's uh, it's very uh, honeyed. Like it's almost uh, almost as if it's it's got honey but like dripped into it. Like it's yeah, a great. That yeah. malt, that malt flavor comes through fantastically on this. Yeah, it has a nice long, yeah, like a long enough kind of carry with the malt on it. Definitely, mm. you know, it hangs around for a bit. It's a really easy drinker. It you is. Know, it really is like. And I've thrown up the stats of what's actually in the glass just underneath us there. Two uh, percent peated triple distilled malt. There's a little bit of sherry going through it as well. I like. Uh, I saw you know the the moment to leave league are doing the kind of crowd crowdfunding. Um, mm. uh, which is looks like it's going exceptionally successfully, yeah. by the way. Um, really well with it. Exactly. But um, I know that I saw in a few things they're talking about kind of making uh, Donegal once again, the kind of Isla of Irish whiskey producing. I think it's quite cool to see that they've got the, the peated malt DNA through pretty much so far, you know, all of their whiskeys, but also their new, they just had their, uh, we talked about it last week or last episode, um, that their first distillation of whiskey distillation in their distillery up up in Donegal. And again, I think it was a peated, peated malt as well. So seeing that kind of in a show and uh, yeah. Donegal heritage of peat uh, coming there through. Was, there was a big, like, yeah, there was a big history uh, for peated malt up in Donegal. Like, as far as I remember, there was like, uh, it had a very long history of peated malt up there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the funny thing is in the 1800s, uh, like established distilleries in Ireland were marketing themselves as like the Inishowen of wherever. And Inishowen was a legal putching. So, yeah. <laughs> so to have something of, of the, of an illegal status of such a high standard in, in the kind of, and it was peated as well anyway at that point, but to have that such high caliber of, of whiskey making up there, it's very cool to see that return. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Definitely. And aren't there's is did I hear that they might be putting in a malt floor or something like that to beat the malt or something like that? I thought I heard that one time. Yeah, I I'm not entirely sure on on, uh, on floor maltings, but I know that their new distillery is literally situated adjacent to a peat bog, uh, where they actually have taken some of their uh peat from, which uh, I think is yeah. quite cool. Um so I mean that could very well be be the case. Um I'm much more au fait with the whiskey in the glass rather than the whiskey that's being distilled right now up in Donegal, but we'll have to make sure to uh, pay a visit so very soon. Um, yeah. There are a few people dropping in saying hello. Uh, Gunther uh, joining us oh. from Belgium. Um, yeah. Absolute legend. It's um, Gunther, yeah. nice to see you at, at, on our show. As the last time I saw you was on your show, so that, that's, uh, that's good. Check him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Graham were on his show, I think it was a week or two ago. It was great, really good. Good fun. Yeah. After you say that, because Graham just dropped in as well. Um, and actually, uh, 
he said, if I let the beard grow, whatever, six months, I'll look like you. I won't because I shaved about 10 minutes ago and it just becomes, and it, it was like four months worth of growth. If you go onto my Instagram, look at the most recent photo of me in the silky, that is literally four months of growth on my face. It just, like, if you look at this, that's, I haven't, I haven't shaved the bottom of my chin. That is it. That is all I can do. I don't understand you testosterone laden men who have facial hair. <laughs> all do. Um, we have more and more people saying hello, Kevin, Guten uh, Abend, all. Um, Matt uh, dropping in from the States. Um, and yes, I have been uh, letting it grow for six months. See, Matt knows what's up. Uh, <laughs> um, but then we have uh, a few other people um, dropping in. Um, and I think we'll be able to keep going and saying hello to them throughout the show. Um, at the moment for me, um, I am going to keep this silky in the glass in front of me. Um, mm. I think you've got it. What is that a capita you have your? Um, I have in our dingle glass, the, the regular silky, and then I have the peated in the silky glass. Ah, very good. Well, we'll come to the, the peated in a little bit. So you take a sip of whatever you're, you're feeling, because at the moment, um, I do want to uh, introduce uh, our first guest to the show uh, this evening. Um, who is, I suppose, one of Ireland's new kind of uh, indie bottlers um, with some seriously cool success and one of the probably one of the most uh, friendly and jolly men of the industry as well. Uh, so please let me welcome Mr. Dahi O'Connell of WD Whiskey, uh, WD O'Connell Whiskey Merchants. Um, so, uh, Dahi, welcome to the show. Guten Abend. Hello. How are you? <laughs> How are you doing, sir? Uh, things, you know. Dave Cummins is probably the jolliest giant in our <laughs> Don't know about that now. <laughs> Matt, I have a shaving tip for you. Actually, I was backstage there in your fantastic green room enjoying all the free M&Ms and stuff. And uh, I noticed you were talking about shaving. So if you just get a cat and a drop of milk in a saucer, throw a bit of milk on there and the cat will just lick it clean off. You'll be fine. There you go. Appreciate it. See, I'm very, I'm very underwhelmed on my, on my facial hair between the two EE pricks. Uh, you're, you're not missing out. Well, I have to say. You're not missing out. Yeah, I'm half tempted just to shave the whole lot off at this stage now. Listen, I tell you what, I've bought two sets of razors in my entire life to shave my face, so I am doing well on the cost-benefit analysis, at least. Absolutely, yeah. I'm not allowed. My missus met me with a, with a beard. I just started growing it growing it and she said she's seen photos of me on facebook she said no you're not allowed to delete users <laughs> i mean in fairness it, it's it's the same if anyone knows uh michael cowman we often give him grief about his uh his chin when uh, uh he shares photographs of him pre-beard pre his famous beard um yeah. but yeah dahi welcome to the show i know you, you're joining us uh not from your own your own uh house at the moment so i appreciate taking time out of your your schedule to talk to us. Yeah, not at all. Pleasure to be here. Uh, um, are, are you in Ireland? Are you? <laughs> where, where are you found in the country now at the moment? I'm away, actually. Yeah, I'm overseas at the moment with family. So. Very nice. Very nice. I uh, hope you're enjoying yourself. Um, yeah, work, working time, but the family have been away for quite a while. So I, I kind of, once the, the new releases went out, I, I hopped on a plane and came over to spend some time. Got out of Dodge, got away from all the madness. Yeah, it's it's different. I'm in Germany, Munich, actually, and uh, it's it's just completely different here, you know, completely different. It, everybody's wearing masks, obviously, and and 
all the rules are the same rules apply, but the place is open for business. Uh, it's which is good to see. And like Munich has a has a probably half the rate or sixty percent of the rate that Dublin has, and it's three times as big. <laughs> you know, so there's a higher risk rate in in Dublin, in and out every day moving on to Munich. And you kind of do wonder how, how it's been managed in Ireland. Not very well, I think, to be honest. Such as life. I have a quarantine now when I go back. Well, <laughs> there'll be lots of time to cook up some new releases because yeah. that is, I suppose, what we are here to talk to you about. Um, in the last two, well, actually, on the la- literally the day of the last episode, um, you launched your uh, Bill Phil Cast Strength uh, Peated Whiskey. And then uh, your um, 18-year-old PX cask finish a cast strength as well, um, which also got a sneaky look to have a nice little pack. Uh, refresh, I wouldn't say redesign, but uh, I thought that was pretty cool too. Um, I suppose, you know, uh, give us the kind of rundown on how, uh, there you go, um, on how they came about being in their cast strength format um, in this release. Yeah, so... So essentially, it's it's the same. Anyone who does know the brand, it's, we we launched with a, with Bill Phil, the peated single malt, and a seventeen year old PX single malt uh, last November whiskey live, and then from then, I I kind of you know I had kind of signposted everything. The plan was to keep releasing the Bill Phil, you know, as it evolved because it, it's essentially it's it's single malt uh, from Great Northern Distillery. Uh, everyone knows that and. Um, it was the first batch of, of the single malts, uh, peated distillate that they had. So it's, you're seeing it now as it's evolving in real time, you know, it's not, um, it's not delayed or there's not any older iterations of it out there. Um, which is great. And, and, and the whole idea is just, if, if it was a right single cask that we could do at cast strength, I'm a fan of high ABV whiskey anyhow, and kind I kind of, I don't have a huge amount of stock and uh out of all the casts i had i just went through a few um and picked this particular one i think ending in nine yeah and uh it just had the for me it had the right feel to it that it wasn't too far off the 47.5 percent that we have in the 700 mil bottle um as a standard offering um even though that's battings and but it still does it shows the dna of, of where that comes from but it's not too far away from it. So some of the others have more, you know, they're just going to be used for vatting. I wouldn't use them as a single cast release um, um, unless it was a lower ABV or something. But uh, I'm trying to get away from that, that the, the single cast will just be down to the cast strength in the future. Um, and then with the PX, the PX17, we released in November. And then I kind of said, I kind of, at that time, I actually wanted to release it as a, as a cast strength straight away because it was better. Um, but the economy, the economics of it didn't really work. Um, so I brought it down to 46, which was still a very nice, was as low as I would go with it, to be honest. Um, and released it. And it's the same stock. We vatted, we vatted multiple casts together and then we recast them into single cast then with, with 225 liter US oak, um, PX, uh, seasoned PX casks. So I talked to you about them the last day I met you, so they're, obviously a more modern cast or really really high quality you might have had px in them for you know for three or four years they're not the px is not being drunk really it's probably been thrown away or used for vinegar or something um and 
but the result, as you can see, is a really nice compliment to the, you know, it was sitting in bourbon for 17 years and um, for it then to go into the, and the same style of cast, the same style of oak, but just with the PX uh, uh, seasoning in it, it's, it's complemented it really well, I think. And that's something um, that's, that's interesting to explore. We, lo we lost very little ABV, as I was saying to you, but it's the same, it's just that same batch of single malt on the journey it's it's a year older age statement it's it's only seven months older in terms of how long it was in the cask against the the 17 year old but it's come on leaps and bounds and again there was there was a few casts of that and this cask i actually picked last year that i was going to do if i was going to do it as a cast strength it was the standout cask at that time and it still is the standout cask and i just said we go with it and I have another one earmarked if we do a Christmas release, depending on the economy is going now. But you know, it's not deep either. Well, Dahi, I know um I know from from I suppose my professional uh life that purchasing a seventeen year old uh, single malt Irish whiskey is is no uh no I suppose yeah affordable uh manner or, or activity to undertake. What what is the kind of I suppose thought process or or kind of um, thinking that you have to go through taking that 17 year old and putting it into, you know, I, I presume you purchased the 17 year old malt because it was a very good stock of whiskey. And was there any kind of worries or anything that goes through your mind when you're putting uh, that kind of rare valuable spirit into a finishing cask like the PX? Absolutely, yeah. You night. bricking it. Uh, I, <laughs> I, you know, I was taking what was perfectly good bourbon cask and I need, I, I said, we need something that's a little different on the market. And I, and I, and I, I talked to Brian about it up in great in order because like, I don't have the experience, obviously, you know, I've the experience of drinking whiskey, but not doing that else with it. And, um, I was, I was really keen to do a pour pipe and he just said, look, stay away from pour pipe unless you want to really give it a long time, you know, a few years. Um, so I looked at the marketplace and I just saw PX as a, as a, as a nice opportunity. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a sherry fan anyhow. So it seemed like a whiskey that I would like to drink. And, you know, Dunville's had a PX 12, I think at that time. And you had a red breast PX possibly. And that was kind of it. So I felt there was a nice gap there and that's, and that's how I went with it. But first three months, not very little change. You know, there was a little hint of the sweetness coming through. Um, and it rapidly improved then from months four, five, six with the 17. And, and the difference now is for me, I don't know if you have a side by side or if you ever get a chance to, then it's, uh, it's, it's pretty vast already. So it'd be interesting to see it as it develops, you know, there's a few more casts of that. So what we do with them, I don't know. We'll see, hopefully they won't go too far because that could happen. We could yeah. get too much PX from Yeah. Especially at that age, we could, you never know. Yeah. Then what do we do with yeah. it? You know, we end up recasking it into something else bring it back a bit take the sweetness out yeah. um, or does it become a component part in a fancy blend and that would be expensive uh, I so I hope not um. <laughs> so I, I suppose for the people out there that don't know WD O'Connell whiskey merchants um what is right for that little satisfying pop there you go um I suppose what is your business model because you're not you're not uh uh, going down the distillery route. So, is the the life of a whiskey bonder? Look at you and your champagne flute full of whiskey. Not a champagne flute. It's, it's, oh, 
I'm not sure what it is, but it was the nearest thing I could get that wasn't a tumbler. That you could see the color. So it's obviously a really Chardonnay color. That's the Bill Phil, by the way. 59.6%. Um, yeah, just over four years old. So, launch it. Launch it. Maybe a little cheers. So I suppose, how did you get into the kind of the world of um, independent bottling then? What was, what, what is the, the kind of future idea for the, the, the W.D. O'Connell whiskey merchants? Yeah. So I, so just quickly, I got into it because a few years back, I, I really wanted to own a distillery. And then I kind of, I kind of had big, big pipe dreams for a huge distillery down in Killarney and, you know, um, 900,000 LPA a year malt and pot still and big Scottish style, you know, out, out, out in, in, on the ring of Kerry with the river Lown behind it and from Caron Toon and very much <clears throat> going to be focused on tourism. So glad, glad I didn't do that now this year. Um, but it, a lot of things just transpired and the costs were just mounting and mounting and the workload was crazy. Like the workload I'm doing now, I think is, is, is pretty, it's pretty intense with everything I'm trying to do. But if I had a, if I had a distillery going, I don't know how I would have done it. Um, never mind the fundraising and the costs and just the stress of having to manage that. Um, so we pulled out of that and then kept my eye on it. And I got, and then I, I kind of saw at the time the landscape change because, you know, my real interest is in finished product, not actually, you know, I, I don't want to be a distiller. I didn't want to learn how to distill. I would have had to hire somebody to do that. And um, my interest is in the finished product that that gets aged and people drink and i think excuse me and i think five years ago the landscape was vastly different six years ago now at this stage uh you couldn't be an independent bottler in ireland really you could be a brand and you could maybe source whiskey from three places at the time if you were lucky if you were very lucky uh you would have been probably only getting it from one place um and so now, when you re when I revisited it at the start of nineteen, uh, it was definitely a reality that could be done, and I kind of just decided, you know, a few different life changing moments that I, this is now or never. Now at this stage, you know, if I'm going if I'm going to make a mess of it, I'm forty at the time, so I'm like, well, I can probably get out of it again if it goes horribly wrong and, and get a desk job somewhere. Yeah, but sure, it's better to, to try it than not, at the, as the fellow says. And the landscape had changed massively in the last, like, five to ten years. Yeah, I certainly didn't want any regrets, you know. It was kind of, yeah. my, my dad was, pa was passing away at the time in, in September previous to that. And it was very quick, it was six weeks from start to finish, you know. And yeah. kind of really made me, and I just became a dad myself three months before that. So, like, your mortality becomes really out in front of you, you're like, going, are you going to just wake up and let it all, are you going to wake up or are you just going to let it all pass you while you're ever going to have a go off? And I was never afraid of having a go. I've tried, I've tried a lot of things. Uh, and some it's better, to try. it's better to try and screw it up and get up and go at it again than not try it at all. Oh, you know? Yeah, I, I, I highly recommend it. It can be stressful. It's probably not for everybody, but it's, it, it's well worth it. So I ended up here and I think now is a really good time for it. Um, you know, we've got 33 maybe operational. Obviously, quite small. Some of them they won't ever be in a position to be selling large volumes. We've got GND there, um, West Cork, uh, you know, Bowen, um, uh, and several others around the country that that can that can produce significant amounts and a few on Waterford, and they probably wouldn't sell. But uh, 
there are others coming online. Monaster Evans, really exciting. That's going to be cool, I think. Nice to have Bono involved, obviously. So uh, I think, well, he's better than better than another high profile uh, person. I was only talking about him earlier with my neighbor, actually. Yeah, somebody came into him about it as well. <laughs> yeah, so like you know there's there's lots going on so it's it's going to be good and and I hopefully you know independent bottling in ireland isn't something that um it's common at all you know it, it would have been bonding back in the day obviously and and that's mm. that's what's gone and um i'm not a bonder at the moment so i just kind of just kind of went up my my great grandfather who was bill phil he was a merchant store owner as well and blacksmith and i just decided that merchant would be the right thing because what, what i do is i buy product and maybe do something with it and alter it and then move it on again. So hopefully buy low, sell high, as they say. And uh, that's 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 what I'm doing. So I just felt that merchant fits me now. I'm not a bonder at the moment, but we, we are putting our bond application in there for the future. And the plan is we will become bonders and uh, bottlers on our own site, uh, hopefully within the next 12 months. It was, it's actually one of the things that used to not drive me mad, but I always used to kind of, because I started in the pub trade and all the old pubs with whiskey bonder, wine merchants, you know, all that across it. And I was like, just wanting, because you'd hear some of the older stories of Ireland and Scotland and that, and of wine merchant bonders and stuff like that. And you'd be like, oh, somebody just, you know, have a go at it, go at it again. And it's great to see so many people going to do it now, you know. It is. And and a, few, a few pubs are starting to look at it now and think, oh, I should actually probably connect with some of these. And it's great, you know? Absolutely. You know, like the more the more the merrier. At the end of the day, mm -hmm. we're the Irish whiskey sector, but we're, this sector is whiskey. So, yeah. you know, that's that's a much bigger sector. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's what we should be trying to, to trying to eat into. And that's, that's our focus. And that we'll be independent in every sense that we can bottle, we can bond mature um you know do it all on site ourselves and be agile enough to not be having dependencies of you know on other players that that are there and yeah because we want to do small things like what we do is small and we're we're so lucky that we have you know the the guys there in berries and San Bell, as you know matt to, to help us out like it's it's you know we probably at some point point in time we will do like standard stuff that will get bottled at higher volumes and we can almost go back to them for that because that's what they're experts at yeah but if we want to do 200 bottles for something or a half cask because we want to you know maybe i want to do a half cask of that px19 next year and i want to keep the rest of it for something else you know it'd be nice to be able to just you know take it out disgorge yeah. it yeah. that right label it and, and and be done with it you know and mm. um yeah it's cool more efficient for us Fantastic. I, I'm gonna we're running a little short on time, but I do want to ask you what was the kind of genesis behind doing the the peated whiskey? Obviously, Bill Phil is, you know, I don't want to to belittle the, the your PX offerings because they are amazing, but I think very much you know the the whiskey on 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 the heart uh, of of uh, WD O'Connell is is the identity Bill Phil, um, at least from my outside in perspective. Um, where did that kind of idea to run with uh, a peated offering come from? Well, when I just bought the stocks in Great Northern, I just I, I was up tasting, obviously, and I I came across some nice stocks, and the the, the peated the triple is still peated was, was something completely unusual. I wasn't expecting it, you know. I didn't even know they had peated, and it wasn't even three at the time. I think, 
and I couldn't I couldn't believe the quality that was coming through in, in the glass and I, I left my brother my older brother was up with me that day actually and I left and I said we're going to get some of that anyway that's for sure um that that's something different and the whole thing about us is I want to I want to be a bit different not like nothing to do with any what anyone else does and you know at some point there'll be peated offerings all over but I just felt it would give us a bit of a platform to be to be heard and to go on shows like this or get in you know get into malt after a month we got a malt review within january we launched in december you know things like that it, it came to the fore very quickly so i didn't know it was going to be launched in time for whiskey live when i bought it because i didn't know how quickly it would it would progress but in that in that um seven or eight month period it really came on and i couldn't get over it and, and i actually did a little fist pump the day i got it in the bottle and cracked one open before whiskey live and it was just i couldn't believe what was this creamy mouth feeling and ah oh, it was fantastic i was it's over the moon i just like i've looked out here definitely i kind of the guys in great northern alan anderson was the distiller back in the day i think when it was distilled you know all that all, all those four years ago and it's they don't have huge quantities of it and it's it's, it's really is fantastic if you like peated whiskies mm. You can and you drink peat regularly. You do see the quality immediately, and it, like it does give many, many an Islay or Highland peated uh, Scotch a run for its money. Um, I would say anyway. So will Bill Phil become a core range of the of the expressions from yourselves? Do you think? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and actually, the name Bill Phil because it was my my great grandfather, and he made he was a blacksmith, and he made it. A, a, tool for footing turf that's where i decided didn't know what i was going to call it it was very last minute and you know serendipitous maybe and, and just put it together that you know he you know he would have made a tool for foot and turf or cutting turf and turf being peat mm -hmm. for anyone who doesn't know um as we refer to it in ireland and it just felt like a really good fit uh and it's pretty cool now to see the bill phil name uh known for something else and hopefully it'll be It'll, it'll spread all the world over at some point and i was going to use it for something else as well but now i think it's just synonymous with peace at this stage so we'll just, yeah. just leave it there. <laughs> it's a good well, one exactly well dahi thank you so much for your time uh with your family over in germany so uh i very much appreciate it um are there any bottles left of either expression or are they all sold out at this point yeah i was just going to say th well thanks for having me on as well um appreciate all the, all the publicity we can get you know we don't have big budgets so uh great to get support from the likes of yourself matt and, and all the other guys you know doing this off your own off your own bat really and your time and your interest in, in the category so fair play to you um yeah i've got um i think the, so Celtic whiskey um carry out killarney uh bradley's cork 1601 kinsale number 21 group kind of around munster um and james foxes they all have both stocks they got an allocation so we sold some online pre-release through our online platform and then irish mods took in a big batch all their all their bill fit is gone they've got px left only so there's limited quantities left in, in all those other outlets that we just mentioned um i think i hope i didn't miss anyone Jeez, I got shot. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah we only have a small number of stores and then like yeah so if you just go online to our website we have our stockists on there as well so yeah uh, and i'm sure people could tweet you as well if they're if they're looking for specifics they can tweet, they can, yeah facebook instagram some people have my phone number whatever they need 
<laughs> I'm guiding in the right direction, but oh, yeah, it's all gone for me, so I'm quite happy. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that's that's great news, Dahi. So thank you very much. Um, appreciate your time. Uh, feel free to hang out in the in the green room or uh, and and enjoy your time in uh, Germany with your family. So give me the I'm gonna take a few minutes to to chill out here and enjoy whiskey. Do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, I enjoy work. <laughs> All right, David, that was a lot of fun there uh, with Dahi. Um, uh, what a what a lovely gentleman uh, as well in in the the world of Irish whiskey. Um, probably good enough time to kind of skip forward a little bit. We were talking about uh, cast strength whiskies, um, and this one is uh, one I want to talk about: the legendary dark silky cast strength. Now, this kind of coincided with the fact that they uh, are involved in, in sponsoring tonight's episode. This is unrelated. This has just happened in the last two weeks. So I did want to talk about this. Um, I don't know if you saw this online because there was... Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. The, the, the Cask Strength Crusade um, are very much, uh, I suppose, in their element at the moment um, with uh, 210 bottles that are released on Sunday of the of the legendary Dark Soki at... at 64.5% if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I think it's sold out in like 16 hours. Um, I think they're trying to prove a little bit that they, that there's market, at least in, in the yeah. home market for cast strength. Yeah, there's definitely a demand out there for sure. There seems to be um, probably there's one or two people we know that are driving it on, but there does seem to be a bit more of a demand for uh, cast strength uh, coming out. And it was fair play to them. They sold it pretty quick, so they did. Yeah, uh, and as we said, uh, the, uh, the they've been having quite a few successes recently up in the Schlieve League, um, so uh, this is quite cool to see. Um, I haven't had the the luxury of being able to try it, but we will be trying the the forty six percent version yeah. in a moment or two. I know you have it in your glass there. Um, do you think we're going to be seeing a lot more kind of cast strength whiskies coming in line in, in either one-off or, or more core range expressions, or do you think it'll kind of stay as more seasonal? Just, just in your own opinion of the, of the industry in Ireland. Own opinion, I think, yeah, I think everyone is going to look at the option of doing cast strength. So I know like we are as well, like, and it's just, I suppose if you've got that one cast, especially that you think is something special, you know, you might want to release that at cast strength. Um, but I definitely think there's a market out there for it, for sure. And by the looks of how a lot of the cast strengths have gone in in the last while, like they've sold well, really well. Like, yeah, you do have that problem of, you know, paying a higher rate to get it to that point. Um, but if you've got something special, I do think it's it's definitely viable to bring it out you know, on a limited kind of release. And it makes it kind of makes it kind of more special and unique for the customers as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know a lot of people always uh, say they want to be able to water down their own whiskey if they want to or or try it as as the barrel intended, I suppose. Um, yeah. And there there is a there's a quite a few people out there who are um I suppose advocating for that, at least in Ireland. Um and you and I don't know about you, but I find that it, it kind of differs depending once you get outside of Ireland the the penchant for the the higher ABV whiskeys changes quite drastically um, yeah. between nations, so it, it can be oh, kind of a, yeah. an interesting topic. All right. Mm. Yeah, you can have so many different. Like each country you go to, 
it's completely different. Oh, Martin, <laughs> Martin's one, the brewer, our brewer in uh, Porterhouse. <laughs> um, but yeah, every country is completely different. That's the thing. Like you, you go into one country, they'll love a certain thing and they won't like it. And then you go into the other, their neighboring country, and it's the complete opposite. You know. Yeah. Um, so there's always a market there for different things. Definitely. I, I, I was speaking to a French retailer recently and uh, talking about a uh, stout cask whiskies and. Um, it was quite funny. I thought the comment was hilarious that uh, that the French have no interest in in this because they don't drink stout. And I think the the phrase that was put to me was, "This is much more suited for Anglo-Saxon countries," which I thought was in your second language a fantastic phrase to know off the top of your head. Uh, but everyone yeah. has those little idiosyncrasies um, yeah. in in the home markets. Um, so it's good to see the guys come out uh, with something a little bit different. Uh, on top of their their successful launch of the Dark yeah. Silky, which we will talk a little bit more about. But uh, I suppose if we come back from France to home a little bit, uh, I know one of the things you wanted to talk about um, was the yields of crops this year in Ireland. Um, yeah. Now, I know uh, they have uh, have had a hard year in in the in crops in at home. Um, and it's kind of going to have a roll-on effect all over the country a little bit. Um, yeah. And obviously, you'll have a, a much more direct agricultural background than I would. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and I'm going to pass as the Jackine. I'm going to pass on to you uh, <laughs> uh, on this topic. Well, I suppose, like, I personally, we don't grow any tillage at home, but our neighbor does, and a lot of my friends would. And just there... The few storms that we had there at the end, a lot of a lot of barley germinated again. So you like we were chatting about there um, down in Tipperary, Jennifer's um, husband. He took up a picture where some of the seed had started germinating, and then because of the wind, an awful lot of the seed ended up on the ground. That can't be used. Like you can't. So the yields are definitely going to be well down. And I know a lot. Like even the lads beside me here. They were mad trying to get it in there on Monday because they knew the rain was coming, uh, heavy rain was coming. And if there was too much rain, then the moisture level would be too high and they couldn't, they'd have to wait. And with the days getting shorter, it's just, I can, it's definitely going to be down. It's going to be down at least a third, I'd say, if anything, this year. It's, you know, it's, it's just one of those things like the lads are, they're harvesting the barley now, maize, and that will be in another month or so. So that's going to be even trickier. But, um, if if the rain and that if that kind of you know those big bursts of showers they just completely destroy the land and you can't dry it trying to drive in and harvest it it'll make it very very tricky to save it you know that kind of way but um, i mean one of the things i think people forget a lot is that whiskey is an agricultural product um Mm. and very much relies on the good harvests particularly in in the home country um i suppose in in a whiskey point of view, but then also from your point of view, that what are the kind of knock knock on effects of of a poor harvest of uh, I suppose the likes of barley in Ireland? Price price will go up, but it doesn't really. If the farmer will probably still get the same price, but the price for the distillery or the brewery buying it in next year will go up. Same for me on my farm buying in, let's say, just even straw. That's already doubled for us. Like last year, it was about 40 to 50 euro a bale. And this year, the quotes already are 70 to 90, you know. So like that's a, it's nearly a double jump like. So 
like I can see that happening. A few people might be okay if they've got contracted contracts, but um, yeah, it can it can have a really bad knock-on effect. And then just the quality, the quality should be okay, but a few bits there might be tricky. Just especially with that kind of a few of the things germinating and you know going to seed um, and a lot of it being blown off and left in the in the field for the birds to have, you know. So I think this year we had a, a drought with almost essentially two floods after that and then storms on top of those again. Mm. Um, that is about the best summation of, of the growing yeah. season. Um, so like, I know yeah, it just didn't get going. It, it's mad. Like some of the, like some of the fields, they, they normally, let's say they'd grow to a certain height and some of them weren't even getting to half the height they'd normally be, you know? And then, as you said, like the rain came then on top of that and then the wind came just to, just to make sure like and knock a lot of them down so yeah it's just that's the thing with with the farming side of things you are just at the mercy of the weather and one year can be completely like 180 to the next year you know you just don't know what you're going to get well in fairness i think uh wexford was in drought until uh, mm. a couple of weeks ago and i kind of reminiscent of our uh, indian summer of 2018 because i know the the crop uh, i know the the Crops coming from the maltsters in 2019 were uh, quite quite out of spec, I think, for a lot of distilleries. Um, I suppose it would be interesting to see what comes of next year um, yeah. in Definitely. terms of the selling seasons. Um, yeah, interesting times. Um, I don't know if we need to call global warming at this point, but uh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Uh, definitely not. not yeah. Exactly. Um, and and do you think that what what do you think would be the fallout of that? Are we going to see more imported grain coming through, or do you think it'll be just a, a higher price for the grain that we already have? Bit of both, I would say. I'd say you're probably going to have a bit of both, really. Um, it's tricky, and it depends on which which variety of barley the people have grown. Depends on the yield and stuff like that. Um, so. I'd say you're probably going to have price hike and you're going to have to import. Um, just, oh, but um, yeah, it's just, as you were saying, like the drought two years ago, like I remember farmers telling me they were walking through the fields and they were running their hands through the barley and the the, the plant would literally come up in their hand. It was that dry that year. You know, like the soil was that dry. It just come the soil was that dry. Literally, like just with an open hand walking through the field and it just comes straight out of the ground in their hand. Like, so yeah, it is. I definitely think you'll probably see a price hike. You might see, depending on when when people got it in, there might be a little bit of change in quality, um, and then yeah, you, there will be have to be some brought in. But there's always some brought in from overseas, you know. All right. Well, moving on, I suppose a little bit to what we call somewhat uh, more positive climbs. Um, I think it's probably a good idea to jump into our second whiskey of this evening. Um, so I don't know if you have the bottle behind you there, um, but I certainly do here. So we have the legendary Dark Silky, um, which is the kind of more uh, heavily peated version of uh, the legendary Silky. Um, for me, I had to try a sample of this uh, a few weeks ago. Now, I again, uh, I'll say I, I've, I've seen a number of the cast strength samples out there um, I was not uh, lucky enough to try the cast strength, but I'm okay with that because I think this is 
absolutely delicious. Um, yeah. Uh, what what really, do you thought about it? It's really soft, really easy to drink. And I straight away I get this kind of ginger across the roof of my mouth, like a spite, like a tingle and a spice across the roof of my mouth. Um and on the nose. But it's lovely, not too peaty, just the right amount. You know, very a lovely drink, like very easy drink. I get a I get a very interesting kind of tobacco on the nose. Um with almost kind of a I, I have a with this one, I almost get almost like almost like two styles of peat. I get the kind of vegetal iodine peat, but then almost a smoky bacon peat as well at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it just develops really nicely on the palate. Um, I have all the stats running beneath there. Um, excuse me. Seventy um, percent maize and bourbon, fifteen percent double distilled and bourbon, fifteen percent triple distilled uh, peated. Um, I think this is quite cool. This is definitely a step up from, uh, I suppose, their original lead expression in that kind of peat realm. Um, yeah. And I think uh, it was actually funny because I was reading some of their uh, literature earlier and it was talking about how the original would make a great cocktail ingredient. Um, now, uh, and I think uh, actually this would make a, a fantastic um uh, old-fashioned actually I, I was playing around a little bit earlier on um and i made myself a little old-fashioned to just to see what it'd be like and it was almost i don't know if you've ever been to a nice fancy kind of elevated cocktail bar where they kind of smoke your glass before delivering it to you yeah. it was almost that effect just inside the glass i thought it was quite cool um i did a we did a, i did an interesting one years and years ago with a peated um peated whiskey i did a, a smoky bacon Peated whiskey, so I got streaky bacon and cooked it off, and used it as the stirrer for the old fashioned. So you actually had literally like you were leaving the bacon in the whiskey to infuse in with it as you were drinking it. It worked really, really well, really well. I actually, um, you've just reminded me. I I used to know a cock, uh, cigar bar, a cigar whiskey bar in Pittsburgh, in Pennsylvania. And they were huge into all whiskeys. Um, and they actually, um, they worked with Whistle Pig up in Vermont. Um, and they went to do a single cask. And one of the things Whistle Pig do for you is, uh, if you go do a single cask, is they'll cook you a pig on the spit. And what they did is they, they actually collected the fat dripping from the pig and then fat washed their whiskey and essentially filtered it out. Um, definitely under irish law that and european law that would not be considered whiskey anymore um, yeah. but being able to try that whiskey was phenomenal it was an That's absolute really interesting well it was cool because they infused it and then essentially kind of yeah. uh chill filtered the fat and removed it um mm. but it, it yeah. gave this crazy viscosity and um and kind of a it definitely kind of just an elevation on, on your idea. I think yours is much more in line with the cocktail culture where theirs is just a little bit crazy. Um, but we have a few people dropping in again. Uh, Connor Ryan down in Kinsale tuning in. Um, I'm hoping you're enjoying yourself, Connor. Thanks for uh, dropping in. Um, the Oh, Chris Hennessy saying, Olorosa peed on this is elevated in a highball. This is a thing that I've been getting into in the last little while, um, and I was not a big fan of it uh, until basically – Show, shown it in in japan uh peated whiskey highballs 
Um, I, I have to agree, uh, especially with a kick of sherry, absolutely delicious. Um, if you want to elevate your white claw, I've got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Gunther dropping in again, as well as uh, Fanula up north, we're saying a uh, bar in Belfast serves whiskey with a streak of crispy bacon and a cube of chocolate. Now that Perfect. sounds absolutely fantastic. I love that. Way to um, go. Definitely repeat it. Always like bacon or something like that. Cigars, it always works really, really well. I agree. I and I find that this is um, even in small, like the smaller quantities, just the fifteen percent of the peat is a, absolutely. It, it comes through in a fantastic way um, for me. Uh, and there's a great kind of I don't know, almost like a gingeriness or something in the back there with the malt, and it kind of just layers on. And as you said earlier with the other one. Easy to drink, but very flavorful. Yeah. Um, not aggressive. Wow. Sorry? Yeah. It's got a good length to it as well. Like it stays yeah. there, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shy sh suggesting this to anyone who likes Pete or is new to Pete either. You know, it's neither yeah. it's neither an entry level nor a, a Pete bomb, which is quite cool to yeah. see in the middle. Um oh <laughs> Dali coming in with suggestions to the Bill Phil. 50 mils with club lemon. Or San Pellegrino lemon, lots of ice. Now that is something I have never done, but now I am utterly intrigued. Um, so I'm going to absolutely have to try that on the weekend. Um, and there's, oh, listen, we're just getting uh, more and more suggestions. <laughs> <through here. laughs> um, but this is is uh, obviously a popular topic on on the the highballs of the peated whiskey. Um, what do you think overall? Which uh, between the two silkies would be your favorite? I actually get a kind of sweetness off the peated one as well. I kind of kind of dance between the two. I'd probably lean to the peat. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to agree with you on that one. Um, I am enjoying both, especially the light kind of peated with the with the original silky, but. Um, with with the dark silky, I'm I'm very much enjoying, as I said, that kind of multi-layered piece that's going on. Neither peat bomb, but also not a not yeah. a entry level either. Um, yeah, I think that's quite cool. I think it's going to be something a lot of people enjoy. I don't know if it's a, if we're going to see kind of a, a larger development on the peat side as as time goes on from the guys up in Schlieb League. I think that'd be quite cool. Yeah, um, the the Isla of Ireland, as they say. <laughs> Or at least on on the way. Uh, but moving on again, I suppose, uh, Dave. Uh, one of the things you definitely wanted to talk about um, was these uh, tour numbers in Ireland. Um, yeah, few people bring it up this week. It's just, I suppose, it bounces on towards the kind of the bars and the restaurants and stuff like that as well. It's just um, like obviously everybody wants to be um, safe and stay within guidelines and stuff but um it's just the amount of business that people are losing is crazy crazy because of it like and it's you know we have to stick to the rules and that but i think one of the other distilleries stuck up like that they have mountains of room and they're only allowed to take six people where they could easily social or physically distance 20 people and they're only allowed six people in like you you work it across a day and some distilleries depending on their tour price that can be adding from like 500 euro to a grand or two grand. Like that's yeah. people's wages, you know, and then that's, 
you're not able to hire in more people to do more tours and you know give local jobs same kind of thing with the bars like you know well i mean that is absolutely one thing you you will know firsthand from uh working with the bars in ireland i suppose what is what is the kind of temperature check of the of the wet pubs in ireland that that don't have a food offering i suppose the not things things looking somewhat bleak uh, outside of just pure tours of the distilleries yeah they're just kind of i think they're just the general consensus i get from calling around to them and chatting to the guys that are still closed and just like messaging them and just checking up on them and see how they are um is just let let us open put rules in place let us open if we break the rules close us that's it you know they're willing to do whatever is needed they want to get back in they want to you know they, they're a business and a lot of these are family businesses and that and they they supply jobs to the local area and they just want to have rules get going and they're fine if they, if someone break like they one of them said to me if i break the rules i have no problem close me close me for two weeks close me for whatever it's fine i just let me open first you know so um yeah i'm kind of like yeah we all have to stick within guidelines but it is kind of it's creating this fake divide this invisible divide between bar the two sides of bars which there isn't there's, there's just like it's all the same it's hospitality you know yeah which is, yeah bars, bars with food and bars without food <laughs> yeah and this new phenomenon of wet pubs you know it's like yeah well, whoever came up with the name but now it's stuck but um yeah for me from working in the bar trade i would have been like let me open if i break the rules close me but let me open anyway and serve customers you know yeah and hmm. um, and from a the the six people on the tours uh aspect for i suppose the tourism centers around ireland um yeah. you're looking at a, a tour guide plus five rather than even just six people in as well yeah. which which is a bit of a you know, even a knock when you're when you're below ten people at that point. Um, that came in with the recent Garda powers for yeah. the like, breaking up house parties and such. Mm. Um, and it was is, just it was just kind of like it wasn't even like things were booked already, and then like a lot of distilleries had to ring people and say, "Sorry, we're going to have to, we can't have you in because we have to cut it back down to six you know, and try and fit them in. But a lot of people, especially down in Dingle, people aren't going to literally be like, oh, I'm here this weekend. Oh, yeah, I'll come down next weekend. You can reschedule the next. They're not like they're probably gone back to their job or whatever. So it's tricky, you know. And yeah. even in Dublin for like the Dublin distilleries and the Liberties, it's the same kind of thing. A lot of people might be up in Dublin and it's not as if they're going to be up, you know, four days time or five days time, you know. Exactly. And I mean, you you can transplant that example anywhere in Ireland, really. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I remember uh, previously working uh, a number of years ago, working for Irish distillers. So I just compared the um, Jemison distiller or the Jemison uh, Museum in Dublin to the, the old Middleton distillery uh, experience. Yeah. And I always said you can kind of stumble upon uh, Smithfield, uh, but mm -hmm. you go out of your way to find Middleton. Yeah. Um, and even they could see the difference of consumer there, but you know, it's the exact same thing at that point that people are going out of their way to get down to Middleton, uh, even for the biggest guys in the country, they're, they're still stuck with the same, same, uh, regulations as, as the rest of them. Um, yeah. 
it's like it's grand put in regulations and and that but you know it's sometimes i feel and a lot of people in the industry especially the guys in the bars and that and a few of the the distilleries would feel and breweries would feel that there's people making rules that haven't any idea of what actually goes on especially that you heard that new one there this evening where they have to write down what meal people had now and, and when heard of it. yeah and i was like what has that got to do with anything i i probably it's to prove that they had a meal but why like it's just but even even the meal aspects was yeah seemed irrelevant in the beginning a meal doesn't exactly save you from from a pandemic yeah, yeah. um yeah i think you, yourself and myself had a conversation outside uh outside here before you know yesterday we're saying that the was it the in the last what in the last weekend they had six thousand raids on pubs around the country in the last three months they'd had 32 raids on uh meatpacking factories mm. so Obviously, in a very different uh, scale of there's a lot more pubs than meatpacking factories, but there's a lot more cases of COVID in the meatpacking factories in the pubs. So um, it's interesting even seeing the maps around Europe of of where indoors and outdoor pubs are open and not. Um, but yeah, it is. It's very kind of telling against Ireland. Like it's kind of like going, you know, even like thought you were saying, like in Germany, like places are open businesses are doing business they're just following the rules but they're letting them you know do their do their business you know exactly uh, yeah i think it, it, it they, they do need to do look at something and change it obviously keep health and everyone safe but you know be also realistic and um yeah put rope in the north without a problem as mick said mick matthews is just saying there and that's the thing like yeah, it's just it's just crazy. It should it should be just one kind of what we should be sticking with. What everyone, the whole country, should be the one kind of thing, you know. Exactly, uh, especially the one island. There's a lot of a yeah. uh, lot of lot of dual rules going on, and I think that's uh, I suppose more idiosyncrasies of Ireland. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree, um, and I suppose there's an entire podcast or Facebook Live on that as well. Um, yeah, as yeah, Michael Matthews pubs are open up north without any problem, and and if you go uh, up north, uh, I believe Monday through Wednesday you get a tenner off uh, any meals as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that rebate thing. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, listen, we'll 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 get there yet. Um, we are running out of time, uh, but I do want to say uh, there's one more thing I do want to mention at least. Um, is the Liberator Irish Whiskey coming out with their batch two. Um, this one I particularly wanted to mention because batch one I thought was absolutely stunning. Uh, coming out of the gates from uh, Killarney, uh, blended malt, I, I think uh, the Liberator and um, Pierce Lyons actually, I, I just coincidentally had this behind me, the marriage of malt, uh, their distillery exclusive. Um, I couldn't tell you which one came out first but they'd be one of the one of the first intentional blended malts in Ireland. Period. Um, I can't, at least in in records that I've seen, find you another one, which is quite cool. Um, between the two of those, um, as people might have seen on potstill.com, I think the the Liberator was absolutely fantastic. Port finished blended malt. Um, this one coming out now. The specs are just underneath the screen there. 22% Cooley malt uh, from 2002. Um, 
then 78% uh, GND, four-year-old malt, and uh, finished between nine and 12 months in pork pipes. Uh, this is chocolatey, delicious, malt forward. Uh, this is um, something absolutely fantastic. Uh, batch one was, um, I have a sample of batch two coming along to me now in the next couple of days, so I am absolutely jumping off the edge of my seat waiting for that. Um, they also have a blend coming out as well, um, which I think will be quite cool. Uh, they're uh, double port finish. Um, so this one's quite cool as well. They have, uh, again, the same idea that Cooley Malt, uh, two different uh, grain whiskeys from uh, GD. And then uh, they also have sort of Cooley Malt, GD Malt, and then two different uh, GD and Cooley grains put into it. So a lot of work gone into these. Um, definitely ones I would look out for. And also I think at affordable price points, the, the blended malt yeah. and RRP 65 and the blend at about 49 to 50, I think, um, just whiskeys I've particularly enjoyed in the past, um, with batch two coming out, I think uh, it'll be quite cool. I don't know if you've tried them yourself. I think, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I think every person that works in the whiskey industry that I've talked to literally has a bottle or has tried a bottle you know, and speaks very highly of it. Like it just seems to be one of those ones that hits the mark with everybody. Everyone seems to, you know, say good things about it, which is, yeah. it, and it's a kind of category that has never really, you know, it's, there's not much in it. Like there's not, not very many blended malts out there. Like two. Yeah. <laughs> like it's for, for this guy. The size of the Irish whiskey market, and there's only two. Like it's crazy. Exactly. You know? I I've had many conversations with people. I think blended malts have become bigger and better things in in the market and the industry going forwards. Especially with people distilleries coming online with their kind of newer stocks and and kind of yanking yeah. those out and differentiating a little bit. But um, I yeah, think it's older and that they're going to have better kind of aged malt to play with to do something like that as well you know exactly yeah 100 percent um yeah. well uh beardy dave um i i don't know is there anything you would like to leave everyone who's tuned in with us tonight uh with because i am definitely going to thank our sponsors and dahi but i don't know is there uh want to shout out to the bars or the the farmers of ireland pulling in all the grain <laughs> just keep at it keep going that's all we can do and hopefully we'll get out the other side of it and just keep uh, supporting irish whiskey and irish irish beers and stuff like that you know exactly you know support support local you know exactly really good stock out there now at the minute across everything and it's really good to see like from where it's come it's amazing to see the way irish whiskey and i think you as we were saying like earlier like like even like the likes of Belfast whiskey and stuff like that. It was just great to see the way Irish whiskey in general, the community comes together as one and kind of pushes forward. I think that's very important. I think we have to, um, especially if we're going to knock a few of the other uh, countries down a peg or two uh, in the rankings. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's funny you say that. I think, uh, I think the Irish whiskey industry is funny. I think they have a very light vetting process. And once you beat that vetting process, uh, you become best friends. It's it's one of the most inclusive. <laughs> inclu but it's funny because I can see it. Everyone's very tentative when someone new comes in 
there's about a five second sniffing around process and then when you're done you're all friends at that point it keeps yeah, going on i remember the first time i met you i think it was the first time i met you and the rest of the lads were like who's that and i was like smash still on twitter and different things like that and does whiskey and, and they were like he's awful young isn't he and i was like good i'm delighted he's into whiskey and he's pushing it and talking about it the more we need more people like that and then they were like yeah grant cool <laughs> you know and that's you <laughs> five second vetting process well yeah. uh, thank you very much i suppose to yourself dave for giving us your time uh to everyone who's been watching in the guys in Schlieve League and the Silky, I appreciate the T-shirt uh, and and the and the glass and the whiskies, and um, and it is great to have uh, them on board. They're doing fantastic things up in Donegal. I like to see um, some are creating an identity like the Isla of Ireland, which I think is very very cool. Um, and the Dahi O'Connell uh, from WD O'Connell Whiskey Merchants uh, tuning in from uh, from Germany. I very much appreciate it. Uh, and to everyone watching, just again, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back in a fortnight's time, uh, two Thursdays from now. Uh, so to everyone, and in particular, the guys in Schlieve League Distillers and the Silky Irish Whiskey, a very big thank you. Um, and as Dahi says, good night all and good chat. Thank you.